0: Good morning, Boker Tov, and good to all. A big thank you to our generous Parsha sponsors, our dear friends Becky and Avi Katz and family, who sponsor each and every Parsha class in memory of David Grossman, Le Nishmas, David Ben Menachem Manish. Huge thank you to the Katzes for their generosity. Also, please note, next week we are off. There is no Parsha Shira next week. You can listen to previous years uh, online. We'll remind everyone in the WhatsApp group. If you're not part of the WhatsApp group, you'll want to join for a bonus Parsha material. Join anytime. This would give the privilege of reading and learning Parsha's Korach, page 820 in the Art Scroll Stone Chomish. Our Parsha begins by identifying and naming the very protagonists of the rebellion Korach, who is the son of Yitzhar, Kahas, and Levi. However, Rashi already quotes, We stop before we identify with Yaakov. Yaakov did not want to be associated or connected whatsoever with Machlokas. And in honor and tribute to Yaakov, we stop beforehand. But Korach, who descends from Yitzhar Kasan Levi, the Dothan who are the sons of Eliav, and own Ben Peles of Ruven, Viakumlev, Ne Moshe, b'An Hashem Ne Israel, Chamishim, Massim, Eida. 250 leaders of the Jewish people, they collaborate and conspire in order to attack, in order to challenge Moshe Rabbeinu. And we've already spent many years, and we've analyzed and shared many approaches to what does it mean, Vayikach? If somebody incites a rebellion, if somebody is the source of Machlokas, there are a lot of words we could use to describe what they launched, what they began. But why the word Vayikach? He took. What did he take? So Rashi says, es <laughs> lios He took himself to one side of the issue. He extracted himself from being Mu'urah, from being united. He removed himself. He became an antagonist. He became an opposition. He became an adversary. Va'ikach, he took himself sort of out of the equation for which he was meant. And again, we've shared many interpretations in the past, but I want to share with you new interpretations this year from the Sefer Imros Tahoros, the Rach Kareba. Quotes the toldos. The toldos says the following, Vayikach Korach P'rshirazal. The Gemara in San Edgiondav tells, tells us, what does it mean Vayikach? What did Korach take and why do we use that verb? He took Shelokach Mekach Ra La'atzmom. Shelokach, he took a Mekach ra. It was a bad transaction. It was a bad deal. It was a bad decision. What does that mean? So, Dinei Omri B'Gemara, the Gemara Marcus says, Bocha Bakuk ve'amid achas Sh'anamra B'Tzodek ve'amunas ho'yechia. Chabakoka Navi spoke about this a little bit yesterday in the Amunashir. In another context, the Gemara Makos quotes from Chabakoka Navi who tells us, All of Torah was consolidated and summarized in one principle. The righteous live, they find life, they tap the essence of creation, they fulfill the purpose of creation. How? With Emunah. So, yesterday we developed in the Amunashir peeling back the layers of the onion, looking behind the curtain and finding the wizard, seeing Hashem as the puppeteer, pulling all the strings. A tzaddik, a righteous person, does not give in to the illusion of this world. doesn't give in to the, to the facade of this world. But the tzaddik sees the matrix that is behind HaKadosh Baruch, who is calling all the shots, pulling all the strings. The tzaddik is Yechia, finds life. So of the glasses he wears, she wears, in order to experience life. But the Mepharshim and the Gemara wonder, there are in fact 613 mitzvahs. So how can we summarize? How can we consolidate? How can we say the whole Torah can be reduced to one mitzvah? And what's that one mitzvah? Amuna. But it's not true. There isn't one mitzvah. There's 613. Aren't we neglecting? Aren't we marginalizing the other 612? when we reduce all the Torah to the one. So he writes, At the core, at the root, at the source, the essence and the purpose of all mitzvahs is emuna. 613 mechanisms and means and platforms to connect to our Creator, to see and to feel Hashem in this world and in our lives. So what does it mean? So what does it mean? Stood them all up. All other 612 mitzvahs rest and rely on the one. Listen to this insight. It's impossible for one Jew to keep all 613. Not one Jew is a Kohen, Levi, in Israel at the same time. You're not a man and a woman at the same time. You're not living in Israel and outside of Israel at the same time. You cannot fulfill all 613. Hundred and thirteen at the same time. So how do you fulfill all to your tareg mitzvos? aidesh <speaking in Hebrew> ya achtos beker of achtem The answer is achtos <speaking in Hebrew> unity. When we see and define ourselves as one, when we are unified as one, aidesh <speaking in Hebrew> mitzvos. So the kohen is me, the yisrael, the yisrael. I am him, the kohen. We are really one. We are integrated. We are different. Different limbs of one body. Each of us do a mitzvah in honor of and on behalf of all the Jewish people. So when we live with Amuna, when we see ourselves as the children of Hashem, when we understand we are all His creation, but we all source ourselves back, our root is in Hashem, then we are all united. And when we are all united, then then we can complement one another and see ourselves as fulfilling All of mitzvahs. All of mitzvahs. But you can't fulfill mitzvahs without mitzvahs. One of the overarching themes of our parsha, we'll continue to elaborate on it this morning, is how do you avoid machlokas? When you see what brings you together, what you have in common, what unites you with others then you have a healthy sense of achtas. But when you see yourself as different and apart, when you see that other person as the other, as the adversary, as different, then you have machlokas. But what unites us? In the end of the day, people are different and we disagree. People aggravate us and they bother us. So how are we able to unite with them? Because of emuna. When we see ourselves as all the children of Hashem, when we see everything that happens as hashkacha protis, it all comes from above. So you're not going to get aggravated. You're not going to get bent out of shape. And you're not going to get riddled and embroiled in a machlokas. Because it's all from above. It's all from Hashem. And these are my brothers and my sisters. We're all part of one family. We're all the children of Hashem. Without Amunah, you can't really have Achtas. When someone aggravates you, aggrieves you, when someone hurts you, you're going to get angry. You're going to want to take revenge. You're going to be pained. What will be missing and lacking is a sense of unity. But when a person feels achtas, unity, we're all children of Hashem, we're all united, everything's for a reason, everything's for a purpose, everything's from above. So people did something, behave in a certain way, write a certain thing, post a certain thing, they come together as a certain community. You won't be aggravated or bothered by it because it's all from above, it's all part of a master plan. It's all from Hashem. When you have emuna, you can have achtas. And without emuna, there cannot be achtas. So now we can understand the Gemara. Chabakuk <laughs> Hanavi came and he was able to stand up all of Torah al-Achas. The other 612, all of Torah mitzvahs, all of Tariyag, rest and reside. They all rely on one. Namely, the mitzvah of emuna. Without emuna, there is nothing. Achas she'ekla Yisrael so now why am I mentioning all this? Why is the Rach Mishrith Goreba mentioning all of this? Because that is the undermining the story of Korach. Korach did not feel that unity. He did not feel unified. He did not see himself as integrated and part of the people around him. He did not see that every role that we have is from Hashem, so we're not competing, and we're not comparing, and we're not envious and we're not jealous because it's all from above. So what does it mean? He's separate, he's divided. He couldn't fulfill all of Torah because the only way to see myself as fulfilling all of Torah is to be united with all of Israel. That's what the medj, that's what Chazal means. Torah is called a Mekach. Torah is the greatest deal, the greatest investment. Torah is the greatest acquisition that you could have. People pursue all, pursue all kinds of material things. They want to amend possessions. They want to pursue material things. But the greatest Mekach there is, Hashem says, you've got a gishmak new thing that came out. Really? What's it called? What version? Where can I get it? Does Amazon Prime deliver? It's called Torah. Yeah. It is the greatest, greatest thing that you could have. But Korach couldn't and didn't have access to Torah because he was in Machlokas. And without Achdus you can't observe all of Torah. For him, it was a Mekach not a Lekach Tov. And that's why the parsha begins, Vayikach Korach. Vayikach. His attitude was, it wasn't a tov, it was a mekahra. The problem was what was Korach really all about in the end of the day? He was really all about atzmo. When your religious experience is about your ego, your honor, your glory, your covered, your kibbudim, then in the end of the day, you're going to be jealous and envious. Mashkiach in a revivlum, when I was there. He used to say, how come no one gets upset they didn't get an Aliyah on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Friday, on a Sunday? You don't walk into shul and some man charges up to the Gabbai, I didn't get an Aliyah. Sunday. Why does no one get an upset, upset when they don't get an Aliyah on a Sunday? Because nobody else got an Aliyah. So are you upset you didn't get an Aliyah? Or are you upset someone else got an Aliyah? What's the source of your religious experience? You need the honor? You need the cover. As a rabbi, they buy him off and say, Rabbi, I want to give you an aliyah. I always turn down the aliyah. I don't want an aliyah. Even Simcha's Torah. Bekoshi, I don't want, I don't take an aliyah. Because I understand why people want. I understand why people want to feel connected to community. They want to mark an occasion. Certainly a yahrzeit or a Simcha. But stam, you have people upset, angry. You got to get the cards. You got to mark them. They know exactly the last date they got an aliyah. They know how long it's been. They know how many times the other guy got since the last time they got everyone else. Again, why? We all get to say bircha HaSatora. Every morning you say bircha HaSatora. The same bracha that you say when you get an aliyah, do you say it with the same kavana? Do you quiet everyone around you? Please pay attention to my bircha HaSatora. Now, that birchorah, you mumbled on your way late to shul. If you made it to shul, nobody heard, no one was there, nobody saw, you didn't schlep it out, you didn't crack it out, you didn't, the whole world didn't have to hear, the whole walls didn't have to shake because you weren't standing up on the bima. That bircha But the but the aliyah you want. So the Kedusha's levy of the Vitka says, What do chazal mean? What does the medush mean? Korach. He took a lekah ma- Mekach mechahra laatzmo. In the Yeshnei of Anum Shichon Laberus says the Heiliger by there are two ways you can serve Hashem. Yish tzadikim keilu shehim achin ov de masa Hashem is barach choshvim mehanas atzma ba'avodasim. The serving Hashem, but it's all about them. I want to sit in the Mizrach, They wait for me for Shemana Esrei. I get shlishi, I get shishi, I get the covered, I get the Aliyah. But achin chavatim shara kema yavdu Hashem is barach achirim. I have got to be the baal musaf. I've got to lead the ne'ilah. I got to give the drosha. I got to give the shmooze. It's about them. In the guise of a being about Hashem, but it's ultimately really about them. The people who honestly and genuinely and in truth are serving Hashem and it's about Him, not about them. All they care is someone got an aliyah. There was about Koray. There was about Mosav. There was about the Ilah. Someone said the Drashah. Someone gave a Shema. They don't care. The Ebeshter Zahabinach Azruach V'tanag Vandam. You impressed? It's kind of in English. The main thing is Kiddush Baruch Hu said to do it and we did it. I don't have to do it. doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be me. Ha'ikr Shemiz Baruch H'Kabal HaTanag. Who wants it? We did it. We provided for it. It's beautiful. It's kashmak. It's gewaldic. It doesn't have to be me. But a person who's driven by ego, a person who is self centered, person who's narcissistic, and it's all about them, a person who has a personal bias invested in their avodas Hashem, but it's really, the avodas Hashem is really just a platform and a means for their own honor, their own attention, their own ego. Ovidus Hashem is Baruch Machmus Kabbal even because they just want the reward. I want to do it, not somebody else. Aaron HaKohen said, I don't need to be the Kohen Gadol. Someone more qualified? Someone's better? Everyone wants someone else? I'm good. Someone else? But not Korach. What was the problem with Korach? What did he take? The problem with Korach was it was all about atzmo. So two people on the outside, both be doing the same thing, sit in steigen learning and give shiurim and and be giving out staka and be responsible for coordinating chesed. But one is doing it all about the mission, the goal, and the other is doing it all about themselves. Jim Collins in his monumental work, his wonderful work, Good to Great, talks about five levels of leadership. And level five leadership, he identifies the highest level of leadership is when it's not about you, it's about the cause. And what's the evidence of level five leadership? Succession planning. When you know when to step aside, when you know when to hand it over, when it's not about you, you're not the brand, not your name, not your honor, not your glory, not your power, not your ego. It's about the company. It's about the cause. It's about something so much bigger. It's not about you. That's level five leadership. Some people's identity is so intertwined they can't separate out what they work for, the organization, the cause, the company, from their own ego. And the highest level leadership is when it's not about you. When you just want to see the continuity and the succession and the success and it's not about you. Korach was not level five. Level four, level three, level two, level one. He ended up minus one. He ended up underground. He was level minus five, not level five leadership. He was below ground. He doesn't say that, Jim Collins. I'm just throwing that in. V'ikach korach, say what was the problem? L'okach mekach the key word in identifying where korach went wrong was, he took a mekach for whom? Le'atzmo. On the outside, it was a religious machlokas, as so many machloksim are. Machlokas. Minyanim, community, shules, Rabbanim, leadership, schools. And everybody says, I don't want to be fighting this fight. It's L'Shem shemaim. it's L'Shemah. What can I do? It's for Hashem. It's a religious fight. But you know what underneath it? Le'atzmo. If it's about you, your ego was bruised, was damaged, power. So says the Kedusha laver the Yitzhak, Aaron HaKohen said, whoever's most qualified, whoever's most marutza, whoever Hashem wants, I'm good as long as it gets done. Korach said, me. It's not whoever. It's not whenever, wherever. It has to be me. I deserve it. I'm entitled. It's not fair to me. He was lekach. He took this Torah that should be a lekach tov. He made it a lekach What turns, says Rebbe Yitzchak, what turns Torah from ki lekaf tov, lekaf tov nasati lachem? What turns it from a lekach tov to a lekach One word. Laatzmo. Ego. Ego, ego, ego. The ego stands between us and God. The ego is at the core of a lack of shalom bias in the home. The ego alienates children from parents. The ego sabotages success professionally and in business. The ego is the kryptonite. The ego is the poison that contaminates. That even when on the outside it looks like it's for noble reasons and goals, the ego is what undermines. The ego is what can bring people down. The Ramban wonders the following question. Korach incites this rebellion. That's how our parsha begins. Vayikach, he took, Atmo. When did it take place? When did Korach lead this rebellion? When did this happen? No? So you'll say, Pasha's Korach, on page 820. That's when it happened. It happened after Pasha shlach, before parasha's Korach. Wherever it appears in the Chumash, that's where it happened, right? But the very opinions. So the Ibn Ezra writes the incident with Korach took place right after Chanukah Hamishkan. Earlier, after the Chanukah Hamishkan, Korach said, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? Not him, me. Why does the Ibn Ezra make sense? Chronologically, you inaugurate, you erect the Mishkan. The main characters are about to play their main role. It makes sense that Korach would stand up and say, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not him, me. But the Ramban says differently. The Ramban says, when did this rebellion of Korach take place? After the Chetamiragwim. Exactly where we have it. In Parshas Korach, after Parsha Shlach. Last week the Meragwim miscalculated and Korach then got up and said, ooh, not them. It's time to impeach them. It's time to indict them. It's time to eliminate them. Me. I should be in charge. Why did Korach wait until now to challenge Moshe. Why didn't he do it the moment these various appointments were first made? Why in Mitzrayim, when Hashem tagged Moshe, you're it, didn't Korach get up and say, no, 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 no. I am the leader. I am the liberator. Why not? When the Mishkan was inaugurated, as the Ibn Ezra says, according to the Rambam, that it only happened now, why did Korach wait until now? Ever bother you? Read precious Korach a million times. Ever bother you? Korach leads a rebellion. Why now? But they've been angry before. They were angry when the water was bitter. and They were angry when they got sick of the mun. And when they angry when they wanted a barbecue and there wasn't a Slav. And they were angry because they, they were so angry they missed the cucumbers of Egypt. That's angry. That's another level of anger. So they've been angry plenty of times. They've been disappointed plenty of times. They've been on the brink of extinction plenty of times. They've complained. They've been miserable. They've been incorrigible. But they wait until now. Dafkan now, Korach and his 250 men, Dafkan now is when they lead the rebellion. Not according to Ibn Ezra, but at least the way the Torah presents it, it's now. Vanachon Bidrash writes the Ramban, Shekas Korach on the CS El Safan, Vikinegamba Aaron. He's angry at the appointment of El Safan, and he's jealous of Aaron. Vina Israbi Yosamid Barsina lawyer Lem Shumra'a. Kigam Bedavar Haegel, gadol Forsam, hayu Masim Mu'atim. Why didn't Korach raise his voice after the Cheyta Egel? Such a terrible miscalculation. Moshe, you were the leader when the people cheated on God, when they worshipped the calf. Certainly Aaron, you were part of it. Maybe you have a justification. It was a delay tactic. But you were a part of it. It's time to impeach Aaron. Wouldn't that have been the perfect moment? Cheyta Egel? Why did Korach wait? He waits till after Cheyta Meraglam. Why? Why? Why didn't that ever bother any of you until now? Why? Isn't Chumash amazing? Isn't the Parsha fantastic? Every year you read the Parsha and there's a million things you never thought of, you never asked, you never wondered, and it's a whole new Parsha for you. Has one person here ever wondered, why not Chayta Egel? Why not Akamas Samishkan? Why not in Mitzrayim? Why did Korach wait until now? What was it about now? After Parsha Shlach. So says the Ramban, because after the chay Egel, not many people died. Moshe davened for the people 40 days and 40 nights, and his tefilahs were successful. The Almighty forgave. He didn't forget. He forgot. And very few casualties. So that was not a time. Moshe just saved and spared the people. Yet again, he bailed them out. They should have been wiped out. After the Cheyta Egel, Moshe intervened, Moshe interceded, Moshe saved the day. That's not exactly when. right? When the leader makes the economy flourish and thrive, and everybody's prosperous and doing well, and everything's healthy, and everything's peace, and there's no war, you don't raise your hand and say, who's in? It's time for a coup. You're not going to be successful, says the Ramban. Cheyta Egel was the wrong moment. They loved Moshe. His approval rating... Was through the roof. His approval rating was through the roof, and if somebody would have tried to incite a rebellion, a coup of Moshe at that time, what would have happened? They would have stoned him. Aaron. So writes the Ramban. Korach was biding his time, was waiting. He was patient. He was looking for his moment. He was looking for his opportunity. But now the complaints started. And now the punishments were being meted out. And now people started to die. It's a very interesting comment of the Ramban. It's not true. Moshe Daven for them. What did the Ramban mean? The Ramban is not saying that Moshe didn't daven at all. The text says that Moshe davened. Moshe davened, yet again, he advocated for the people and bailed them out after the Chayta Maraglim. Something about the way Moshe davened was different after the Meraglim, after the Chet Ego. Davened differently. And because he davened differently, Hashem did not nullify the decree. And all the leaders, all the spies, all the princes of the tribes died in a plague. And there was a decree that this entire generation would not make it into Israel. We know that they would, every year on Tisha B'av, the date that the Maraglam reported their poor report, they would dig graves and lie in them, knowing a certain percentage would not wake up because they knew that they were going to be wiped out. So when you find out there's a pandemic, people are dying everywhere, businesses are shut down, the economy is not flowing. There's a supply chain issue. The approval rating is as low as it can get. That's the moment you incite a coup. That's the moment you lead a rebellion. Everyone's bitter. Moshe can't get us out of this. Moshe is not a transformational leader. Moshe can't bail us out this time. And then. The Ramban says when Moshe led the Jews out of Mitzrayim, he did everything. He spared them and he saved them. Nobody could challenge Moshe's approval rating was through the roof. They would have been stoned. They would have been crazy. But now the incident with the Miraglim, they were punished. They were all going to die. They were more nefesh. It was a general depression. A sadness. Now was an opportune time. Now is an opportune time. What do you see from here? Rav Weinfeld, who visited our community recently, based on this Ramban, he says, you know what you see from here about leaders? It's all what you do for me lately. Moshe has an illustrious legacy. Moshe has made a prestigious career out of saving them over and over and over again. He liberated them. He backed them. He saved them. He advocated for them over and over and over again. But you know, when it comes to the rabbi, I mean the leader, it's all, but what'd you do for me lately? But what about the last thing you did? But I don't like that you didn't call me, but I don't like the brand of egg salad at the Shalashuddas, but I don't like who got Shlishi instead of me, but I don't like, it's all, what'd you do for me lately? Eh, it's time for the rebellion. Not only did they throw out Moshe, this was the opportune time for Korach. Why? Because the Chetamaraglen, unlike the other mistakes, who is the one who sent the Meraglim? Last week's parsha began. Shlach l'cha Ladatcha, Rashi says. Shlach l'cha, Hashem says, As for me, I'm not so sure this is a great idea. You want to send spies? Shlach lecha. Be gesund. You can do it. So, who took the responsibility for the decision to send the Meraglim? Moshe. And as a consequence of Moshe's decision, everything went wrong. It changed the course of Jewish history. This is when Korach led his revolt. He led his rebellion. Because Korach thought someone of Moshe's stature should be infallible. There's no room for error. There's no room for a mistake. I don't care about his track record. I don't care about the history. There's not room for even one mistake. There's no room whatsoever. And Rav Weinfeld tells a story, there were Hasidim saying stories in Mofsim from the Rebbes. So there was a Lubavitcher Chassid there who was a Chassid of the Rebbe Rashab. And he said a Mofis with his Rebbe that was greater than all the other mufsin. Everybody said these miraculous stories. I have a Mufus. I have a story, a miracle, with my Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab. He said he deals in lumber. One time there was a ship with a lot of lumber. He had the chance to buy it very cheap, inexpensive. But the river was frozen, and the ice would have to melt in order for him to be able to distribute, to ship this lumber, to actually turn a profit. The question was, would the ice melt in time? Should he invest in this lumber inexpensive and be able to turn a profit by shipping it. So he asked the Rebbe Rashab what to do and the Rebbe said buy the lumber. And sure enough, the river stayed frozen the entire winter. And when he was able to sell the lumber it wasn't even at the same price. He had to take a loss. He had to take a loss. So he held on to it and went even further down. He took a bigger loss. So the Hasidim said, what's the Maifas? That's a Maifas? They were all telling stories of their Rebbe and the biggest miracles. He said, the Maifas is I stayed his Chassid." That was the (laughs) meifes. The miracle was I stayed as chassid. Meaning, someone got a bracha, it didn't work out, ah, I'm done, he's a fraud. The rabbi gave me advice, it wasn't perfect, forget about it, canceling my membership, we're going to launch a new breakup. Forget about it. See the incitement of Korach, despite Moshe's track record and all he had done, at the first opening, Korach was biding his time, Korach was waiting, and at the very first opening, Korach jumps, and launches this rebellion because he found his moment. He found his chance. The Oter HaTorah quotes the Sefer Shavut Musar, and he quotes an amazing Chazal. Chazal say, he quotes a Daver Pela B'Shem Chazal the Shavut Musar. Teda, kamakasha machlokas l'fnei Hakadosh Baruch Hu, de v'maisa shayu b'shalom, lo nifsa kaman, uva machlokaso shal korach, lo yored ba'osayom. We cheated on God. Infidelity. We had an affair. We worshipped an idol. And did the moon continue to fall? Yes. But the day that there was machlokas had nothing to do with God. It was just two people competing for attention. One person competing, not two. And that day the man did not fall. Why? Because you see that machlokas is worse than Avodah Zarah. Getting involved in machlokas. tension. Conflict, enmity, animosity. Machlokas is so pernicious. It is so poisonous. It is so damaging. It's so destructive. That Machlokas is worse than cheating on God, than a lack of faith in Avodah Zarah. Because the day of Machlokas, no man, But the Chay ego the man continued to fall. And the Shlok Kadosh learns from here. The Shlokim Yvonne Maseches Yuma. Derech, perak derech haim. If you want to look up the Shlach Kadosh, and the Shlach Kadosh says, "Machlokas Echad docha mea Parnassos. One Machlokas. Everyone's, what's the schoola for Parnassa? Get a bracha for Parnasa. We daven for Parnasa. Schoola for Parnasa. Put the key in the challah, big challah, forty days in a row, forty people baking challah, pitta maktoras from a cloth. Everybody's got the schoola for Parnasa. First of all, you know what the biggest schoola for Parnasa is? Have a job. That's the biggest school for Parnassah. But says the Shla Kadosh. Says the Shla Kadosh. You know what the biggest school for Parnasa says the Shla Kadosh is? The biggest school is not Pitta Maklaf and it's not Shlisel Chala. The biggest school for Parnasa is avoid Machlokas. Because you see, the month didn't fall the day there was Machlokas with Korach. So if you want the month to fall in your life, if you want it to rain, Parnasa, you want to make it rain then you have to avoid Machlokas. The sefer, the chida. The chida has a sefer, Yosef Tehilos. And he writes that Hashem is so amazing that even after you make a mistake, you come up short, even after you fail the Creator, Hashem nevertheless provides parnasa. And He says that's the Pshat and the Pasuk. He provides for everyone, even Chotim. Why? Hashem's chesed, His kindness is so great, you could fail Him. We're learning this in sitter snippets. Last night's snippet, last night's sitter snippet, we're up to the sixth bracha of the Amida. If you don't listen to sitter snippets, you can listen on any podcast player where you can sign up for the WhatsApp group and get it delivered each time we do a snippet. So the sitter snippets, we started at Modani. What number are we up to? I don't know. I think we're closing in on 500. Sitter, we started at Modani, the sixth bracha of the Amida. What do we say? What's Marbel He's abundant in forgiving. Well, you either forgive or you didn't forgive. What do you mean you're abundant in forgiveness? You're abundant in forgiveness means when it comes to a human being, I fail you. Say, I'm really sorry. I blew it. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You say, you know what? Everyone deserves a second chance. No problem. Then I do the same thing again. I'm so sorry. I know I said I wouldn't do it again. I couldn't help it. I'm so sorry. Please No problem. You're forgiven. Then I do it a third time. I don't know. By the third time, a boss of a dumb, a human being, By the third time, the fourth time, the thirtieth time, you say, I'm done, I'm out, I can't take it anymore, you don't really mean it, you keep doing it, forget about it. Hashem is marbelis loach, over and over and over again. Every day we fail Him. Every day we make promises we don't fulfill. Between shachars and mincha, between mincha and marav, between marav and shachars, we have to keep coming back. Why? He's quantitatively forgiving, even though we keep failing Him, and He's qualitatively forgiving, says Rabbeinu Yonah, even if our tshuva is not as developed as it should be, is superficial, he's still forgiving. He's no saying lechem nechol basar. He continues to provide for us. We continue to have a roof over our head, a car to drive, and food to eat. Why? Kili olam chasto. He's so kind. So the day the Jewish people built the Egel, he's no se'n lechem nechol basar. Even the chotim. Why? Kili olam chasto. Lecha Hashem Egel. Velan boshes upon him, Bitstaka. Velan boshes upon him, the Despite the infidelity and unfaithfulness, Hashem continued to provide the mon even that day. But according to the Shevet Musa that we just quoted, 17th century Shevet musser on the day that Korach instigated the rebellion, stirred Machlokas, the mon did not fall. 600,000 men over 20, 2 to 3 million people, went hungry that day. When there was no Parnassah, it didn't mean you didn't have the Costco size food in the pantry. If the mud didn't fall, you had nothing to eat. When the mud didn't fall, you were hungry. And two to three million people went hungry that day. Why? Machlokas. Division and fighting are intolerable. They are inexcusable. Nishlaqadash the says they prevent Parnasa. Gurish Marku says, Worship an ego? No sin lachl kili yolam chasta. You could cheat on me and worship an eagle, but my chesed knows no bounds. I'll still give you parnasa. But you fight with each other. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. And Rashi says, you see from here, the severity of Machlokas. Somebody emailed me asking me this question. So what does Rashi, Rashi say? Zogd Rashi, Rashi, Come and see just how severe Machlokas is. Come and see just chin elad Machlokas is. In Beisden, when are we punished? Only if you're over 20. Over 20 years old. money godless. You have to be over 20. U Beisden shamala ad esim shana. So Beisden Shamata Shte Saras, shana. Beisden shamala ad esim shana. The kan avdu af Yonke shadayim. When the episode of Korach, the 250 people, so many from the tribe of Ruven, because they lived adjacent, Ayla rasha just because they were neighbors and they were influenced and the power of peer pressure. They all went down, literally went down into the earth. Among them were not only the men over the age of 20. Among them were babies and infants. And you can't help but wonder, we don't find in the rest of Torah a baby is punished because of the sins of a parent. That's not just. That's not fair. That's not right. That's not righteous. Says Rashi, you see how severe Machlokas is. The effects of Machlokas are terrifying. That innocent babies who've lived such short lives were swallowed by the earth as punishment for the fathers. Why? Because that is the power of Machlokas. That is how pernicious Machlokas is. That is how damaging and dangerous it destroys families and it takes the lives of children. It seems that Korach's followers were not punished, says Ravashar Asher Weiss. The Helega Melchus Asher, says, you see that Korach's followers were not punished as individuals, they were punished as a community. When a community allows the flames of Machlokis to rage, then the guilty and the innocent suffer together. Men and women, adults and babies. If Machlokas is allowed to take hold, if Machlokas is allowed to metastasize, if Machlokas is allowed to grow, then you see everyone goes down. It's not just the individuals who incite the Machlokas. It's everyone associated. It's everyone connected. The guilty and the innocent. The adult and the child. The terrible punishment incurred by Machlokas was expressed by, by the Arizal. The Arizal is Likutei Torah and Shoftim to explain a Pasuk and Shoftim. If you're unable to understand an issue between blood and blood, judgment and judgment, between plague and plague, words of strife in your gates. Following the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash and the calamities that befell Klai Yisrael, the Malachim couldn't understand Hashem's judgment. Why did Hashem do what he did? Where's the justice? They said, Master of the universe, you wrote in the Torah that when it comes to cover the blood, Klai Yisrael runs fully through the streets and is neither covered nor buried. You wrote concerning a house with Saras, you shall empty the house and the Kohen shall inspect the house. But the Beis HaMikdash and all its contents have been consumed by fire. You wrote in the Torah, when it comes to Shechita, you're not allowed to. You can't kill the mother and the child the same day. It's cruel. And Hannah and her sons were killed the same day. So Hashem, you're not carrying out your own will. So the Malachim were unable to understand the difference between blood and blood. It's an amazing Arizal. When you don't see the justice, Bein dam ladin. Bein Hashem's expectation of us, but the way he's behaving. Bein din ladin. Bein nega lanega. You can't figure out why Hashem is being more severe, more intense, why Hashem is being more just, a stricter justice. You know what the answer is? Divrei rivos b'sha'arecha. It's because there's machlokas in your gates. It's unbelievable p'sha. Did you hear that? The Arizal is touching a pasuk and shoftim. Say, I don't understand. Hashem, bein dam ladam. You said that we have to cover the blood and the Jewish blood is flowing freely. Bein din ladin. You said that there's justice and the Jewish people are being treated so unjustly. Bein lanega. You said that a mother and a child can't be killed the same day. We're being killed the same day. Where's the mishpat? You know what the answer is? You know what's bringing this on? Divrei rivos b'sha Because you are allowing machlokas in your gates and in your community. Machlokas wreaks destruction. Peace is indestructible. It's a shield. It protects. It secures. And when there's no peace, there's no shalom. There's no safety. There's no security. So everyone's so worried. Got to spend money, more guards, more safety, more security. anti semitisms on the rise. How much are we spending security assessments, security grants? hard security, soft security, 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 security. It's important. It's very important. But you know what the greatest security you could have? Shalom. When there's peace and there's harmony, there's security. And if you remove the peace and the harmony when there's machlokas, then you're welcoming, you're welcoming danger. You're welcoming threats. You're welcoming threats. Divrei rivos b'sha'arecha. And you see that. Where do you see that? Because even young babies died Seems so unjust. It is unjust. Ki mimchala mishpat. It's a pella. Where's the justice? Little children were swallowed up by the earth. Yes, by association. Yes, by community. By community. So the mun, the mun fell. The mun fell on the day of the agel, but it did not fall on the day of, it did not fall on the day of the Machlux of Korach. The Pasuk says, Our parsha says, Don't be like Korach. Be like Mike. Don't be like Korach. And though the Rambam omits it, the Bahag, the Smag, the Sefer, Yireim, and others count, avoiding Machlokas as a mitzvah. This Pasuk, is a mitzvah. It's one of the tariag. Don't get involved in Machlokas. There is a lav. Don't get embroiled in a fight or a conflict. Run away. Stay away. Revova quotes the altar of Kelm that you can't get involved in machlokas, even for a noble cause, even with good intentions. Because after all, what was Korach's argument? Everybody's holy. Everybody's righteous. He thought he was pursuing a noble end. A noble end. And I think we very much in our lives, in our times, we see this. There's such partisan politics, such division, division, such differences, such anger, and everyone will argue. I have to. It's for a good reason. It's for a good cause. It's l'shem shamayim. We have to avoid being drawn into machlokas, or we have to work to end machlokas. The gemara in Sanhedrin Yud derives from the fact that Moshe sought out dasan va'avirum. He tried to bring it into the machlokas. He didn't stand on ceremony. He didn't say, "Uh, who here is called Rabbeinu? Not you, Moshe. I'm the rabenu. You come to me." Meet in my office. You make the first move. You make the first phone call. Moshe doesn't say that. He doesn't stand on ceremony. He works to resolve the machlokas. And Rashi quotes, you see from Moshe initiating dasan and aviram, not standing on ceremony, that you have to work. And that's the Sfarim point out, with the quintessential bracha, l'cha shalom. you want shalom? L'cha. You take the first step. You make the first move. You make the first phone call. You make the first gesture. You make the first move. You have to make the first move. You have to make the first move. I'll tell you an amazing story. Have time? I'll tell you an amazing story. The Baba Rebbe of Sholem Habashtam was known for his tremendous concern to preserve Shalom and avoid Machlokas. He was a man of incredible peace. And he stayed away from Machlokas at all costs. One time someone published Pashkevilim, posters hanging, criticizing and condemning him. And the Baba Vareba was afraid that it was going to lead to Machlokas. So at a tish, on Rosh Chodesh, he said the following. He said, I've been mochal, the people who wrote these posters and hung them. But if anyone decides to start fighting with the people spreading them, I'm not mochal. you not in this world and not the next. The people who put up the posters, I'm mochal them. They're sick, they're disturbed, they're wrong. God bless. I'm mochal the people who put up the posters. But if you create Machlokas because of them, I'm not Mokhri, you're not in this world and not after. And of course, nobody created Machlokas because of it. There was an old Machlokas in Hasidus, maybe the worst in the history of Hasidus. The Bab great great Zayda, the Divre Chaim of Sanz, battled against the Sadigera Hasidim. A son of the Rizhner, a son of the Rizhner was a problematic personality who joined the Maskilim. The Divre Chaim, as a result, rejected all the Sadigera Hasidim. And they went to battle, there was a bitter, bitter machlokas and stayed in Galicia all the years. This tension between Sons and all the branches of Sadigur and all of its branches. This Hasidus, a bitter, bitter machlokas. So one evening in Borough Park, listen to this story, you have uh, Reb Shlema, the Baba Vareb, is walking home from his base medrash and he passes a shtibal that's a branch of the Sadigur Hasidim and they were marking a yurt site, the third of Cheshvan, the yurt site of the Rizhner. And the Baba Rebbe, who descends from the Divrachayim, who had this machlokas with the Rizhner Chasidim, and they battled bitterly and they didn't speak and they fought vociferously. And now walking in Borough Park on the third of Cheshvan, he's outside this small Rizhner shtibel. They're marking the yurt site of the Heliga Rizhner. And the Baba Rebbe stops with his entourage. And he looks inside the little shtibel to see what's happening. And he turns to his Gabbai, he turns to his Hasidim, he turns to the entourage and he says, no, let's go inside. I want to join. So the Gabai stunned. And he says, An grebe. the Zayd the Zayda, the went to war. This was the battle of his life. And we're going to go against that Mesorah. We're going to join the Tish, to honor the earth side of the Rishnah. So the Babavar, the Ish Shalom, who spent his whole life making peace, preserving peace, fighting for peace, compromising for peace, turned to his Gabbai and he said the following words. He said, I don't have my Zayda, the Divre Chaim's Torah. I don't have the Chesed of my Zayda, the Divre Chaim. The Kedusha, the Holiness of the Divre Chaim, I don't come close. The Chasidus of the Divre Chaim, I don't have his leadership qualities. I don't have anything like the divrechayim. The one thing that I should emulate and keep, the one thing I should follow him in, is being in this machlokas. If it's the one thing I have from him, I can let go of that as well. No, nope, Let's go inside. And with that, he went inside and he joined the tish for the original. Avoid machlokas. It's a pasuk in the parsha. Lo Not the Rambam, all the other money and mitzvahs count it. As a mitzvah in the Torah, one of the tariag, avoid machlokas at almost any expense. Okay, that's the first pasuk. Let's start. Gimel. So they gather. Korach incites this rebellion. He, he stimulates this rebellion. And they gather on Moshe and Aaron, and they say, "Rav lachem kicholei dekelim it's too much for you, Rav Lachem. It's too much for you. Kolayda Everybody's holy. It's too much for you. Who are you? Get Shlishi, get Shishi. Every week, someone else on Aliyah. Hashem. Why do you exalt yourself? Why do you hold yourself over and above everybody else? What is the word, Rav Lachem? Rav Lachem. Too much for you, Rav Lachem. So Rashi here says, Rav is milashon riboy. You've taken too much power. You have too much power. Too much power. Too much control. Too much ego. Too much honor. Too much. You have too much. That's the pshat of Rashi. Rav lachem. The word rav. Milashon riboy. You've taken too much. Too much power. However, Rachaim Paltiel. Rechayim Paltiel has a different pshat. So it's quoted by the Halige Ota Plaza Torah. Chaim Paltiel says, Shumi Lashana Rav the Chacham. Rav Lachem means you're being too much of a rav, too much of a reb. Before Korach and his Ada, before they made this accusation, what was their challenge? Rashi quotes Missalovechik famously coined it the common sense rebellion. And what was the common sense rebellion? He said, if a house is filled with sefer Torah, does it need a mezuzah? If a baguette, if a garment is made, it's woven out of turquoise, out of tchelas, does not need tzitzis? So Moshe said, yeah, of course. Every room needs a mezuzah. Every 4 cornered garment needs tzitzis. Korach said, that's ridiculous. That's absurd. That's foolish. If one pasha is yotze mezuzah, the whole sefer Torah in a room, certainly you don't need a mezuzah. If one strand is mozi de tzitzis, then certainly if the whole garment is tzitzis, you don't need tzitzis. And Rav Salavitchik said, what was the problem? Korach was trying to employ common sense. But I can't tell a physicist it doesn't make sense that if I drop something, it falls. It should stay where I let go. That doesn't make sense. physicist says, uh, moron, it's a little something called gravity. Did you go to school? Did you study anything? When you study physics, come back to me, and then we can talk. But you think you're going to apply your common sense while you're an ignoramus about physics? You're a fool. And the same is true with Torah. Torah is no less sophisticated than physics. Torah is lekachtov. Torah is the greatest wisdom that we have. And you have to be steeped in it to understand it and challenge it. And you can't be an outsider who tries to apply your common sense. And Rav Salavitric was talking about that in his time, and certainly in ours, that you can't just say it doesn't make sense to me. That halacha, that rule, that principle, that hashkopha, common sense. So that was how they challenged him. So says Rav Chaim Paltu, says Rav Chaim Paltiel, Yesh Mesochai Dashioko Leos Rav Shelachem Adas Korach Rotz Levi as Moshe Rabbeinu Anu Roy Leos Rav B. elo Rav Lachem Yesh Anashim Achem Sheikhon Leos Rav Shelachem Shel Moshe Baaron Rav Lachem Bene Levi, Bene Levi, you think you have all the answers? You think you're the Gedole Ador? You think you're the last word on Das Torah? Rav Lachem. There are gedolim bigger than you. You can't even answer about a room of Seferi Torah and a mezuzah. You can't even answer about a garment of Tehalas and Tzitzis. Rav Lachem. So Rashi says, Rav is Lashon Reboy. Chaim Patias says, Rav is me Lashon. There's a greater Rav, a greater Rebbe than you. The Gaon Rav Chacham the Meiri says in his introduction, Mesech Avos. Very interesting. Listening, Mishu Baki Bashisha Siddharim, whoever's an expert in all Shas, Shas, The 60 Mesekhtas of Shas is the same numerical value of the word Gon. So you're a goon if you're a Baki bashas. If you're a Baki in four of the six orders, Moed, Nash, and and Kachim, you're a Rav. And if you're a Baki, if you're an expert in three, Moed, Nash, and you're called a Chacham. That's what the Meiri writes in his introduction to Avos. That these titles correspond with how much of Shas you know. So, Rav Lachem, there's somebody who knows more. There's somebody who's bigger than you. That's what he meant by Rav Lachem. Revolba says on this Pasuk, the the great Mashkiach, it says when Korach challenged, Moshe Dasan and Aviram joined. And even though Moshe was not at fault, he made the first move. He sent to appease them. And Rashi cites the Medrash, Don't not only maintain the argument, but make the effort to end it. And it's clear from Rashi, don't maintain an argument does not simply mean don't fight. It means initiate, make an attempt, be proactive, try to change it. Although we should emulate Moshe's conduct, says Revolba, the ability to disagree without taking the argument personally is not an easy skill to master. This is a brilliant insight of Revolba. So are you allowed to disagree? Do we all have to vote the same, think the same, behave the same, wear the same, daven the same, one minion? You can't have eight separate The neschos, practices, schools, youth groups, camps. We have to all be the same? We can't disagree about how to improve the economy? We can't disagree about gun control? We can't disagree about how to make peace in Israel? Of course we could disagree. The question is, how do we disagree agreeably? How do you disagree without it becoming a machlokas? How do you have healthy disagreement but not take it personally but maintain it? Shlomo Zaman Arbach stated at the funeral of his wife that they lived in peace together and even though the Minagiz at Levaya you asked Mechila he said I don't have to ask Mechila for my wife because all the years of our marriage I never did anything I need to ask Mechila for. Shlomo Zaman was a very humble person. He was extraordinarily humble and yet he stood up and confidently said at the Levi of his wife, I don't need to ask Mechila. And then he, a short time later, ran into a Talmud who had been recently married. And he asked him how it's going. And the Talmud said, things are great. We never argue. We never disagree. So Shlomo Zaman said, is everything all right? Is your wife healthy? So the Talmud said, Baruch Hashem, everything's fine. Why, why is Rabbi asking? So Shlomo Zaman said, it's not normal for a husband and wife not to disagree about anything. She wants milchiks for dinner. You want flesheks for dinner. She wants to go to her parents yantif. You want to go to your parents for yantif. There could be a million of things, reasonable, legitimate things to disagree about. So is everyone okay? Are you healthy? Is everyone feeling all right that you can stand here and say you've never disagreed? So Shlomo Zaman said, didn't you yourself say, the Talmud said, but Rebbe, didn't you say at the Leviah you had nothing to ask Makhila for from your wife? So Shlomo Zaman said, absolutely, Since our disagreements did not affect our relationship, there was no reason to ask Mechila. We disagreed. It was never personal. It was never an attack. It was never harsh. And it never got between us. We disagreed and then we decided what to do. What are we doing for our vacation? Where should we go? What should we have for dinner? We disagreed because people are different and you disagree when you're different. But you could disagree without it ever becoming personal, without ever needing to ask machila, without ever rising to the point of machlokas. Life is full of disagreements. But disagreements are not the same as discord. A disagreement without discord. That's our goal. Shlomo Zammet said, I spent my whole marriage disagreeing. But the disagreement never left, never led to discord. Ad <laughs> that if you claim you never disagree, there's probably something very wrong with your marriage. Are you spending any time at home? Do you talk to each other? Do you eat together? Do you go out together? Disagreements shouldn't lead to discord. I'll tell you one last cute thing from the Otsar Prasad Torah. We'll end there, even though we're halfway through. Ay. so much more. The Ramah quotes in Shulchan and Rish Talivav. Who here has the Minag when you pour the Havdala wine to make it overflow? That's not like a newfangled, new age talk about machlokas. That could lead to it every Moteh Shabbos if you're not the one who also cleans up the wine that you overflowed to spill. So everyone assumes, where does that minah come from? It comes from the Shulchan Orachayim is in Resh Sif Aleph. Noagin Mikosha mikoshayayin al ha'aretz. The Ramar of Moshe quotes the minah is to overflow the cup of Abdullah onto the ground. We learned this in Smichas Haver. Where do people think the minah comes from? ooh, Parnasa! I want it to rain, I want it to flow, I want it to overflow. So I make the wine of the kosher bracha of Abdallah overflow so that I can be filled with bracha. Rama specifically writes, don't make it overflow into the, onto the plate. Make it overflow onto the ground. What's the reason? The Gemara in Erevin says, any home in which the wine doesn't flow like water will not see a simon bracha. So you want to see a simon bracha make the wine flow like water. So the Gemara simon tov at the beginning of the week make the wine flow, but the safer Mata Moshe, the Sefer Mata Moshe writes the following: but this will end. He says, you know why you're making it flow? Listen to what he writes you're serving the king, and the king says, make sure all the servants got, so let it overflow till it reaches all the servants, no matter where they are. So that everybody will say that the king is generous and gracious, no matter where those servants are. So in order that Korach, who are on the ground and in the ground, can also get some of the wine of Abdullah, that's why we make it overflow not that wild? That's what the Ramah writes. We pour it to the place where they are swallowed up, where they are beneath and below the ground. We are off next week. We pick up in two weeks. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy. A good M'Chadosh, and have a great day.